with me again in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. As the children are dismissed here. Uh, just by way of a heads up, as I mentioned in the announcements, Lord willing, we'll have a guest speaker with us next week, uh, Doug Crawford. Uh, he'll be preaching in our morning service. Uh, and then uh, the plan, as this concludes our little series on Jesus is king from uh beginning from palm sunday going through today uh we are going to move into the book of hosea so we are going to move to an old testament prophet and spend several weeks uh looking at the book of hosea if some of you are really paying attention you're thinking surely the pastor has enough pastoral wisdom to not preach hosea one on mother's day Yes, I, I don't plan on preaching Hosea 1 on Mother's Day. We'll probably do uh, just a one-off for Mother's Day. And then the week after Mother's Day, we will look at the book of Hosea uh, and its message for us today. So you can be reading ahead. Uh, we'll be studying the book of uh, Hosea uh, next. Uh, let me pray, and then uh, we will look at Acts chapter 1 and really an overview sermon uh, from the main themes of the book of Acts. Father God, we ask now that you would open the eyes of our heart, help us to see wonderful things in your word, that you would incline our hearts towards you and not towards selfish gain or our own agendas, that you would open the eyes of our heart, give us spiritual understanding. We pray that you would satisfy us with your steadfast love. Would you help us to be moved by your faithfulness? to be used of you in the proclamation of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you've used the line, I think about it a lot. Um, some, if, well, some, no one asks me my organizational strategy. But if you were to ask me my organizational strategy, you need only peek your head in my office to get a feel for it. It would be the opposite of out of sight, out of mind. Maybe some of you organize like this. You kind of have to keep everything visible or you're worried you might forget about it. There's three people that are relating. I could hear. Uh, that's how I feel sometimes, right? I just want, oh man, I, if I file that away, or even if I put it on my to-do list, well, I look at my to-do list, you know, like I, I we, we worry about, I worry about at times out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to put the wrong thing out of sight. I won't see it. Maybe, maybe you think of uh, your junk drawer at home. Hopefully you have one. If you don't, no judgment on us that do. Uh, but there's times you're cleaning off the counter and you put it in the junk drawer and then suddenly it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. Or maybe, maybe it's an old friend that used to live in the area or you used to work with and then they, they moved away or your paths don't cross and it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. Maybe it's those decorations in the attic. Or some of you have a storage unit that's out of sight, out of mind, right? If we're not, if we're not careful, I think sometimes, even as Christians, when we think about Jesus, it can actually feel a little bit like out of sight, out of mind. As the book of Acts begins, Jesus ascends in a cloud. Look down at verse nine. It literally says out of their sight. He's out of sight. He sends the promised spirit, but, but if sight is the goal, that doesn't seem to quite fit, right? Jesus himself taught that the spirit is like the wind moving air. 
So you can't see Jesus. He's in heaven. You can't see the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit. And you think, well, where am I to look? How do I see Jesus? How do I see the spirit? As the book of Acts concludes 28 chapters later and first century closes and the apostles die and the church continues and the church age continues church history right up to the present. It can feel like, okay, as I look back, it seems out of sight and at times out of mind. I stay really busy even today as a Christian and I bear the name of Christ and I serve in the church, but Is he still at work? Where is he? What is he up to? How can I see it? How can I remember? This morning, I want to help us through the book of Acts, bring our perspective in line with God's word and give us eyes to see what Jesus is doing, what he is up to. And I really have just one main point in the sermon, and then there'll be three sub points, but one one main point. I want to help us know where to look to see Jesus at work. And here, here's the, the main point. Christ's work continues through the Spirit. Christ's work continues through the Spirit. And then I want to step back from that main idea and say, okay, where do we look? And I want to give you three places where you can look in the book of Acts and in the world today to see Christ's work continue by the Spirit. So the main point, Christ's work continues through the spirit. I'm going to spend a little time on this and then we'll look at the three places where we can look. Let's begin in verse one of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Look again at verse one in the first book. So that would be the gospel of Luke. This is the second book written by Luke. Oh, Theophilus, I, that is Luke, have dealt with all that Jesus, note the language here, began to do and teach. Isn't that interesting? All that Jesus began to do and teach, verse 2, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Imagine you're reading a biography uh, about a man's life. And it just summarizes his life from his childhood all through all the way through his adulthood. And as a biography would that was written after his passing, it would include uh, his his death. And then imagine how strange it would be to find a second volume about what else the man has done after his death. That would be odd. Luke has written a two volume biography on what Jesus did and said. It doesn't end with volume one. It doesn't end with his death. It certainly doesn't end even with his resurrection. It doesn't end with his ascension. Volume one was on what Jesus began to do. And the book of Acts is what Jesus is continuing to do. Do you get that? It's striking. It's striking. He's off the scene. But Luke says... That Acts isn't actually first about the Acts of the Apostles. The book of Acts is volume two on Jesus. It records the Acts of the risen Christ. Ruling and reigning and working 
today. It's interesting as we survey the book of Acts, and we are going to move around almost entirely in the book of Acts here this morning, we actually find that the whole out of sight, out of mind illustration is a little misleading because Jesus isn't actually out of sight. He appears a whole bunch of times in the book of Acts. He's not done. And he makes that very, very clear. Maybe you want to turn or just just note the reference, but you could go over to, to Acts 7, right? Consider Stephen, the first martyr at his stoning. In verse 55, we read, But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus wasn't out of sight for Stephen. He saw him standing at the right hand of the father. Or in Acts 9, Ananias saw Jesus in a vision. He spoke with him. Or in Acts 10, Peter sees Jesus again in a vision. He's talking with him. Jesus isn't off the scene for Peter. He certainly wasn't off the scene for Saul, for Paul. Listen to Paul recount his testimony of salvation in Acts 22. And I was on my way and drew near to Damascus. Paul says of his testimony. About noon, middle of the day, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Right? Jesus appears to him. Or Acts 18, the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. I am with you. Or Acts 22, when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, Paul says, and I saw him saying, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, right again and again, the risen Christ is actually in sight. He is actually on the scene. Acts 23, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage so clearly christ is still alive clearly christ is still at work directing peter and paul engaging them and encouraging them in the spread of the gospel his work continues after his ascension he appears at these key moments but if we step back you're right to think man when i think of the book of acts i actually think about the holy spirit i think about The Spirit being sent on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. The Spirit's continued work through the apostles and the early church. And then Luke makes the connection for us between Jesus' continued work and the Spirit being sent in Acts 16. Would you turn with me to Acts 16? Acts chapter 16 want to just make a, a brief observation here, beginning in verse 6. So Acts 16, verse 6. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forgiven by the Holy Spirit, sorry, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
So just interesting. We don't know how the spirit did this, but the spirit somehow forbade them. And when they had uh, gone up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So in verse 6, the Holy Spirit's directing them, forbidding them. And then in verse 7, it's now the spirit of Jesus. So Luke has this conviction and he records under the inspiration of the spirit that when you have the spirit at work, you have Jesus at work. So where the spirit is active, Jesus is still active. I think that's what we are to draw from this. Now, we're not modalists. Now, you don't need to remember that word, but we don't believe that, okay, God was at work through the father and then he kind of changed modes and then he was at work through Jesus and then he kind of changed modes again here in the book of Acts and now he's at work through the spirit. No, God is at work. There is one God who exists in three persons. So Luke, each one is fully God. So so Luke can make such a striking connection where the spirit is active, Jesus is active. So do you want to see the risen Christ's Continue work in the church age. Look for where the spirit is at work in the church age, in the book of Acts and in our church today. The main point, Jesus's work continues through the Holy Spirit. His work isn't done. Volume two continues with all the risen Christ continued to do and say. So where the spirit is active, Jesus is active. So where do we look? We're still faced with Jesus isn't putting me in a trance and appearing to me. The spirit is a spirit. I can't see him. Where do we look? Three places, three places where we look to see the risen Christ continue his work in our day by his spirit. First, in the multiplying of the word, and I'll explain what I mean as we go. The multiplying of the word. This is how a few authors put it, commenting on the book of Acts. The word almost becomes its own character in the book of Acts. Running out ahead of the apostles, doing work that surprises even them. Another author said, the ascended Jesus Christ is the central figure in the narrative. And he employs his word and his spirit to advance his purposes through human agents in the world. So Jesus is at work in the world by his word, through his spirit, through human agents, through Christians, through churches, as the word and its message is proclaimed. I want to just reference these little summaries. There's these little kind of narrative pieces that Luke includes in the book of Acts as he's telling the advance of the gospel. It's really the spread of the word. So in Luke 6 verse 7 we read, and the word of God continued to increase or multiply or spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Or six more chapters in Luke chapter 12, verse 24. And the word of God increased and multiplied. Or seven more chapters in Acts chapter, I say Luke. It's Acts 6, Acts 12, Acts 19. We read verse 20, Acts 19, 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So where? 
Let's bring this closer to home. Where is the risen Christ at work through his spirit? He is at work as the word of God is translated by our missionaries, Joel and Sarah Wagner. He is at work as the word is taught in Africa and Asia by the Bovairs and soon by the Sheps in, in Asia. As the word of God is memorized by kids in Awana. As the word of God is taught in Sunday school classes and studied by men and women and young men and young women in our church during the week. As the word of God is read by many of you faithfully each morning. As the word of God is shared with a friend at work in a card of encouragement in a Bible study on campus or over social media. Jesus taught about the word's work in the parable of the soils. Do you remember this? So you're spreading the seed of the word and there's different soils. The word of God is sown by some and watered by others, Paul says. Threats come from from Satan, from distraction, from persecution, from the cares of this world. Paul takes that imagery and talks about the word in terms of farming Farming is slow. It's an exercise is exercise in delayed gratification. All right. Those of you that seek to faithfully read your Bible and commune with the Lord in prayer on your own. know this exercise in delayed gratification. You read the Bible once and you say, where's the growth? You read it for a month and you say, I don't even remember what I read. You, you go to a study. Because you go to studies and the study finishes and then you blink and you've gone to studies for 10 years and you think, what is the word doing? What's going on? It's slow. Results are not often immediate. Think of the Wagners, right? Translation work is painstaking to be read if the Lord tarries by another generation. Think of Doug Bovere going to teach teachers who then go back to churches who teach others and he never meets any of them. Think of children learning Bible verses with seemingly no benefit. Where's the increase? Farmers must be patient, but there's something else that's true of farmers. They can't bring the rain. Christ works through his word by his spirit. That's why we put ourselves in the way of the word. That's where he works. That's how he works. We follow the example of the apostles and the early church in teaching the Bible, in sowing the Bible, in sharing the Bible, and waiting expectantly for God to work, to bring rain again. So do you want to see Jesus at work? Labor and look. Here's the application under this subpoint: labor and look labor for the word to increase in your own life, in your family, amongst your friends, in our church, in our community, more Bible read, more Bible study, more Bible memorized, more Bible shared, more Bible believed, more Bible obeyed labor in the word. Look for him to give the increase. I loved this little line I came across 
on the book of Acts. The real Hebrew, sorry, the real hero of Acts is the word. The word advancing, going ahead, preparing the way. So how do we see the risen Christ at work through his spirit? It's through the increase, the multiplication of the word. We don't look back on a week or a 13 week study. We look back over years and decades and the Lord gives increase. Second place we look. Salvation, bringing salvation. So how is the risen Christ at work by his spirit? Multiplying the word and then there's a progression now in bringing salvation. So the word, the message of Jesus, risen and victorious, brings salvation. So the book of Acts is clear. Salvation is needed really clearly in this. It's needed. We're rebelled against God. We've sinned against him. We've rejected the Messiah. And God's wrath rightly rests on us. Think of what Peter's message was, was uh, in Acts 3 to the men of Israel, beginning in verse 13. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one, asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. What a punchy line by Peter. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. So salvation is needed because we've rebelled against God. Salvation is needed because we've rejected Jesus. This wasn't just the sin of the Jews, but of all people. You weren't there at Jesus' crucifixion, but your sins were. Think of the second line of the hymn. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice cry out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Consider Stephen's final words before he saw the ascended Christ. He was stoned. He said in Acts 7, you stiff necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your father did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And you killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you are now betrayed and murdered, who you received. Sorry, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Not only is it because of a rebellion and rejection of Jesus, but the message of the book of Acts is that salvation is actually a gift, but it demands a response. It must be received, as Paul will say. So Peter, in Acts 2, quotes the prophet Joel and says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Implication, you've got to call on the name of the Lord. As Spurgeon said, and I paraphrase, no one will say on the last day, I called on Jesus and he rejected me. No, the rejection is ours, not his. It's a gift. It demands our response. We receive it by faith, crying out, calling out for him to rescue us from his just wrath, to be saved from hell. 
to be forgiven of our sins, to be declared righteous by a holy God. The language of salvation in the Old Testament would have been familiar to the Jews in the first century. It was one of deliverance, rescue. But the enemy here is not Babylon or Rome, but rebellion. Their own rebellion against God. They needed to be saved from their sin and God's just wrath against their sin and the power of Satan. So often as, as we navigate just our American culture, our modern culture, we're given a subtle message in a thousand different ways. The tune is played a thousand different ways. The problem is outside of you. And the answer is inside of you. You have the solution. The problem's out there. And the Bible says, no, the problem's in here. And the solution's out there. The problem is our sin. And the solution is a savior, not ourselves. It's Jesus. We need to be delivered. We need to be credited with the righteousness that is not our own. So the solution isn't anything that I could do or say or not do or not say. It's what Jesus has already done that I need. The risen Christ continues his work by bringing salvation. The deliverance is absolutely needed. And so the only deliverer is Jesus. Friends, if if the problem was primarily political, Jesus would have sent, sorry, God would have sent a politician. If the problem was inequality, God might have sent a a fairness commission. If the problem was social, he might have sent a, a revolutionary. If the problem was mental or emotional, he might have sent a therapist. But since the problem is our sinful rebellion... God sent a sinless substitute and then commissioned those delivered by him, that savior, to proclaim the message of reconciliation and to call rebels to bow the knee, to repent and to believe in their substitute. So Peter declares in Acts 5, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on the tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So do you want to see Jesus at work? See him pursuing and saving hellbound sinners through his death and resurrection. Bringing salvation to all who will repent and believe. So we look to the word multiplying we look to salvation brought through that word and then third we look to the forming and expansion of the church where do we see the risen christ at work today by his spirit it's in the church it's interesting in the opening chapters of the book of acts believers are said to be together So we have lines like all who believed were together gathering. But the term church, often translated church, ecclesia, doesn't actually appear till chapter five. And then it explodes 17 times in the book. So the church is established by Christ through his spirit at Pentecost. But really the story of Acts isn't so much the establishment of the church, but the expansion of the church. 
The word increases. It brings salvation. And then the church expands. It continues geographically. It presses on. So you know the verse from Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Tim read it earlier, right? This is the great promise regarding the great commission. It's an outline for volume 2 of Jesus' work. His work Begins in Jerusalem, yes, and then Judea and Judea, uh, and Galilee and Samaria and Asia Minor and then Greece and Ephesus and on and on and on through his witnesses. His work continues through the church. Sometimes in the book of Acts, uh, his church is called his disciples. Interesting. Jesus is out of sight. He's not on the scene and yet they're following him. Shows how closely they remain connected to the Savior. Go over to Acts 2, verse 42. Three things primarily mark Christians in the book of Acts. It's devotion to God, devotion to the apostles' teaching, and then devotion to one another. Devotion to God, devotion to the apostles' teaching, the word, and then devotion to one another. We could put it this way. Christians are devotees, not just attendees. Look at Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. What a description of the church. Devoted to God, to the word, and to the church. So where is the risen Christ at work today? It's in the expansion of the gospel. The, the word preached, salvation brought, churches formed. It's in the expansion of the church in Iquique, Chile, and northwest, northwestern Spain, and eastern Poland, and Ghana, and Brazil, and Argentina, and South Asia. So if you want to see the risen Christ at work in and through our church Maybe reposition yourself to get a clearer view of what he's doing in and through our missionaries. As they church plant, read updates as you get them through the newsletter on Wednesdays. Come to prayer meeting where you see a summary of an update each week of one of our missionaries. Get their email addresses, drop them a note, pray for them, and then tell them you're praying for them. And you will see the work of Christ in our day. Through the expansion of the church. The Great Commission wasn't forgotten in the book of Acts. It was remembered. But nor was it undertaken alone. The Spirit was with them. Empowering Jesus' disciples to bear witness to the gospel. Through pain, yes. Through persecution, yes. Through preaching, yes. In the book of Acts, faithfulness, not immediate measurable success. Though they did know that, especially initially. Is always the standard. God gives the increase. He brings the rain. They sow the seed. And so it is today. May we be found faithful, not chasing results, but expecting them. Because God is faithful to his word. He's not done expanding his church in Michigan. In southeast Michigan. He's using witnesses still today. Jesus' ministry had something of a bridge to the church through the apostles. So there's a line, a lineage of witness to the gospel of the kingdom. It starts with Jesus, continues with the apostles, especially Peter and Paul. 
and that is sustained, continued in our day by the church. That's how one commentator put it. Once the transition is made to the Gentiles in Paul's ministry, the role of the apostles fade. But friends, the witness does not. It continues today through us, through the church. So we are the continuation of that witness to the ends of the earth. So the story doesn't end in Acts 28. The story begun in the book of Acts is continuing to be written, not inspired revelation. But the story of redemption is continuing through the spread of the gospel. Through people who are outside of Christ. Being united to Christ by faith in Christ. As the gospel goes to new generations and to new people groups. What is the content of our witness? Well, it's Jesus and especially his resurrection. It's Jesus crucified, risen and reigning. As we conclude, just think with me for a moment on the witness of the apostles in the early church. They were willing to suffer, to suffer pain and persecution in order to bring the good news of Jesus's sinless death sinless rather life and sin bearing death and victorious resurrection and ascension to the ends of the earth. They knew Jesus suffered and then was lifted into glory. And so they expected to walk the same path to suffer and then glory. So Paul can go to Athens and talk like this, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this day, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. He says, I don't just preach the resurrection. I preach a coming judgment by the risen Christ on the basis of the resurrection. And what happened? Remember some, some rejected, some said, we'll hear you again. And some believed. They believed the gospel, the good news of the resurrection. Another commentator wrote this. I liked this summary. I want to read it to you. Paul and the rest of the witnesses go on trial because of the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. They not only proclaim the death of their Messiah, but walk into death's hands willingly. They not only preach Jesus' innocent suffering, but act with honor in the face of persecution. They walk into the lion's den proclaiming the lordship of Jesus, because that, even if they're not rescued, they will be raised with him on the last day. Friends, if the early church was willing to go on trial to bring this word of salvation, will we be willing to go across the street? If they were willing, think of Stephen, to be stoned, will we be willing to be thought less of? If boldness marked them, as we saw a few weeks ago, because they knew, they knew what was true about Jesus, why does it so often not mark us? We go 
in accordance with the great commission, but we go with the great promise of Acts 1-8 that we do not go alone. He goes before us. He is with us. His spirit is in us. And so as we go, his work continues. So, when you're tempted to look around and say, why didn't Jesus stay? Wouldn't it have been better if he hadn't left? When you're tempted to look around and say, where is Jesus at work? He's ascended and he left a spirit I can't see. Consider these three things. Consider seeing the word multiply, bringing salvation, and establishing and expanding the church to the ends of the earth. Friends, Jesus is the king. He is in heaven, but his work here on earth is not done. Through his work, he is never out of sight. Through his work, he ought never to be out of our minds. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would give us eyes of faith to see how Jesus is alive and working by his spirit in the world, through the word, bringing salvation, establishing churches, spreading the good news. Father, and we're grateful, we're amazed that he saw fit to do all of this through us. So would you give us not just eyes to see that we might be informed spectators, but hearts to lean in, to engage, to join you with where you are at work, through the word, in the church. Father, I pray that you would give us an appropriate boldness because we know what's true about Jesus, that he is king, that he is returning And that he will judge. And we are sure of that because you raised him from the dead. Father, we pray that the result of our Easter joy would be our weekly, daily boldness in proclaiming the good news of Jesus, our glorious, risen, and reigning King. And we tremble at the thought that he will return, that there will be no second chances, that he will come and he will judge the world in justice. Father, we pray for those here this morning that are outside of Jesus, that even as Pastor Kevin warned, have not yet recognized that he is Lord. Father, we pray that they would bow the knee and be rescued before it's too late. Father, we pray now that as we think through these truths, that you would move us even as we lift our voices in song. We pray this in Christ's name.